Previously on Chosen Ones, Shui prepares for his concert by passing out lanterns at the compound. Theo and Brandy ask each other what they're going to wish for when they release their lanterns. Brandy reveals that he wants to see the world, and Theo wants to get closer to him. Before the concert starts, Aviath goes to look for Essence, but is unable to convince her to attend. Arthur tells him that she is on probation, and that if the other mentors don't want her to stay, there isn't much he can do. But the show must go on, even with a few unanswered invitations. Shui and Aviath put on a dazzling performance, and everyone releases their lanterns up into the sky. The next day, our sparks gather back at the very same stage to start Arthur's assessment. The mystery of what lays behind the teleportation circle hanging in the air, before Aviath steps through. Mr. Aviath Abaddon, why don't you go next? He marches on and... And he smiles at you and it's just like, all right, here we go. So it takes a moment for your eyes to adjust as you're suddenly thrust into a sea of blues and greens. And you're currently standing on a low platform with the circle Arthur has created engraved in its surface. And looking around, you appear to be in some sort of laboratory, but nothing like anything you've ever seen before. Everything is smooth and appears to be made of either metal or glass with like these strange assortments of softly glowing boxes in the walls with buttons below them. And there are these large eight by eight blue glass tubes kind of scattered in various locations that appear to have these glowing green boxes in front of them sitting on top of these long metal poles. And some of these strange boxes have like knobs and things on them. And you hear kind of off in the distance far away the sound of this kind of crackling sound you haven't heard before. It's very strange to you. You're not sure exactly what it is. This is amazing. Can I touch these things? No, no. Uh, and Arthur <laughs> holds up his hand before you even exit the platform. It's just like, uh, don't make yourself too comfortable. I went a little fast on, or not a little fast, I went a little slow on essences, so we're kind of behind schedule. Um, I'd like to make this assessment quick if I can, and he steps off the platform, and as he does, his appearance seems to change. Um, and he seems to be wearing a set of strange clothing that you've never seen anyone wear before. Hmm, outfit change, interesting. It looks good. He smiles at you and is like, come on, why don't you come down? He comes down. Um, and he approaches one of the glass tubes and kind of presses a few buttons on the panel in front of it, and it opens up and a very thick mist comes out of it. And he nods his head towards it and it's just like, this device is meant to be a basic overview of your spark, your abilities, and your potential. It uses the structure of my own spark and enhances it to a level greater than what I'm capable of. <laughs> I see. Well, take what you see with a grain of salt, because I hold the belief that anyone has infinite potential as long as they work their hardest. He kind of gives you a smile at that and he's like, go ahead and step inside and we'll start the assessment. He steps inside. So you step inside and that glass kind of very smoothly goes around and closes you in and that mist is kind of at your feet uh, and you feel yourself lift a couple inches off the ground as like this wind kind of seems to to push you up a bit and he's pressing some buttons on the device in front of it um, and looking at you and then looking back down he's just like all right Avaith Abaddon age 27 seven feet tall a paladin of the god Claytor but if anyone's around you for a few minutes I think they can gather that much 
<laughs> it's pretty well-known information. And he's kind of pressing a few more buttons, and then it's just examining a little more. It's just like, Oath of the Crown. That's one of the more respected oaths. Yes. What comes first and foremost is protecting the innocent. A good ideology to go by. Nods to that. Have you been to the Prime Capital before? It has a lot of those. A lot of Oaths of the Crown? Yes, quite a few. Um, yeah. I have been there before, not for very long. Well, let's see here. A few more clicks on his end. Alright, you are an active utility spark. A spark that needs to activate their ability to use it. Considered more of a tool than an offensive or defensive ability. That's the most common spark. My spark isn't particularly rare, but I believe that I've managed to get where I am through hard work rather than relying on the spark. Oh, there's nothing wrong with having a common spark or anything like that. The most common sparks are actually the most common chosen ones, so it's a good sign. <laughs> you share that with Mistraga, which is a bit of an odd coincidence since you share the same god as well. I wonder if there's a correlation there. And he starts pressing a few more buttons. Perhaps Claytor's the best god. He says that, like, quietly. <laughs> uh, you see him chuckle at that. In terms of staff here, Mentor Wynn and Miss Estel were also active utility sparks. Hmm, I didn't know that. Yes, well, Chosen One's abilities tend to expand a bit more outside the normal constricted definition, so they don't quite fit uh, those after being a Chosen One, but that's what their initial sparks were, and that's what they would have been considered. Hmm, interesting. So can sparks evolve... Uh, even before someone becomes the Chosen One? Oh, yes, it's actually not unheard of at all. Most people don't stay the same type of spark their entire lives. Hmm, I wonder what my spark would evolve into. Well, I'm not sure if yours will. He presses a few more buttons. Your spark is currently at 79% potential, meaning you've probably had it since you were born. Yes, that's true. Not sure if it could evolve again at this point, but you never know. Sparks are tricky like that. Only so much readings I can gather. He just nods yes. Well, let's do a few more things here. He clicks a few more buttons and he's just like, based on your training sessions with all of the other mentors and the feedback from them, I'd say you're currently probably at least in the top three for potential chosen ones here that I would consider on the right way. You have a high chance. Have the look, have the spark, have all that. He doesn't seem to be particularly impressed, though, as he's saying this. I don't think Viath is surprised, because he's like, well, yeah, people know that I'm strong. <laughs> you know, the world has a funny way of making the things that we think are the most likely to happen not happen. Viath seems a little disappointed by that, but he's like, well, you know, only time will tell. He gives a very humored smile at that. and He's like, yes, only time will tell. It's been great talking to you. Do you have any questions for me? Any questions? Um, well, what exactly were you evaluating here? I mostly knew what you told me. I was evaluating you for my own purposes to add to my database. I see, so... I will use all this information and talk to the other mentors when we do our general meeting to decide who's going to mentor you. I suppose this data information stuff is not really my forte. I'm having a hard time grasping what happened, but it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure talking to you, too. And he leaves having no idea what, what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and you both pop back up out, and as Arthur enters the platform again, his clothes return to normal. 
And he looks at you and gives you a small smile. It's just like, just remember, keep the secret for the others. I like to see how people react to it. It's a secret I don't mind keeping. Um, Shui's up next, right? Points at Shui. <laughs> he kind of turns his head and shrugs. He's like, sure, why not? There you go. I told you you'd be next. Shui, why don't you come on up? He goes like, yes. And then he like hops up. He runs to the stage uh, really excitedly. Arthur gives you a smile back, points to the circle, and is just like, after you. He runs to the circle. Uh, and as you do, you vanish, followed by him as he also enters after you. And you see the same thing that Aviat sees, this kind of mixture of blues and greens, this very strange sort of architecture that you haven't seen before with glass and metal mixed intertwined and these big glass tubes with the glowing blue lights coming from within and this strange smoke inside. And also that strange sounding box with knobs in the corner. She was like really excited when he got there and then he saw where he wound up and his smile kind of like dropped and he takes out his sword. He jumps in front of Arthur and he's just like, watch out, Master Arthur. There's an enemy over there. No need for that. Uh, that's not an enemy, Shui. That's a radio. A, uh, a, wait, a radio? What's that? Do you know the spell sending? Uh... Yes, yes. It's kind of like that, except it's one person or one location sending out to all of these little boxes. Uh-huh. And he kind of puts the sword away. So why is there a radio here? It's something I looked for for a long time, so I like to keep it in plain sight, trying to get a signal. She's looking around. As you look around, Arthur steps off the platform and his clothing changes um, again. She gasps. He's like, <gasps> Master Arthur, what happened to you? Just change of clothes. More comfortable this way. She runs off the platform and he's looking down to see if his clothes changed. You stay the same. <laughs> he's like, how come I didn't change? Because this isn't not a place you would normally be if it wasn't for me, so... What is all of this? This is my laboratory. Research facility. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he said laboratory and Shui's eyes glazed over. He pauses again and he's like, office. Oh, um, this? Your office isn't where everyone else is? This? Where is an interesting way of putting it? It's more like a when. We're still in the same spot. Uh, I don't see Yaya anywhere though. He's a little farther back. Yaya? <laughs> he shouts back. <laughs> he gives a chuckle at that and he's like, come on, Chewie, you have your assessment to do. Uh, okay. And he's gonna uh, run to catch up to Arthur. All right. Now, before we do your spark assessment, I'd like to take a good look at that elven sword, if you don't mind. Uh... <laughs> Shui uh holds up a sword. Do you do you mind? Don't know. It's weird here. Yeah. That maybe kinda looks around. That radio is kinda scary. But he looks back up to Arthur and he's just like uh, be careful. So Arthur kinda takes your sword 
and leads you farther back to the back of the facility to this long table lined with green lights where he sets your sword in the middle of it and you see the lights kind of go like like around the sword and change color before kind of settling um, on a very soft blue and he's kind of nodding at that and he looks at it and he's just like what is your name? and there is a very long pause before you hear back name? and you hear that out loud in the facility almost like sounds like it's coming from all around you she's looking around like what? do you not have one? And you see the sword kind of vibrate in place for a moment. And Arthur pauses again and frowns. And it's just like, still has some bugs, I see. No, it was worth a shot. You can hear my sword? No, not exactly. It's something I've been working on and tweaking. Shui kind of tilts his head. It wouldn't work if you weren't here with me. You're really smart, huh, Master Arthur? Gives you a kind of smile at that. And it's just like, uh, I've just had a lot of time to think about things. Shui steps forward and kind of looks down at the sword. Master Libris told me that Beastblade might not be your name. Well, I don't know. Shui tells us that and he's like, I don't know either. What do we do now, Master Arthur? Well, wish that would have worked a little bit better. I've tried to drag Peter down here a couple times, but after the first time, he did not want to come back. So, you know, I don't get to try this a lot. Not a lot of elven sword users who come through these gates. Why don't we continue with your assessment? Thanks for humoring me. He kind of um, looks at Arthur with a look that's like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, I don't understand, but okay. <laughs> um, he's like, can I get my sword now? Oh, yeah, go for it. Grab it. He's going to grab it. And he starts leading you towards one of those glass tubes. I will say, if there are any buttons, sure you will try to press everyone he sees. Unless Arthur stops him. <laughs> Arthur reaches forward to try and stop you. So roll, I guess, just a dex to see if you're faster than him. 15. 15? Okay, Arthur, what's your what's your dex lead? No. You start hitting all of those buttons. And he's just like, no, 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 no. And you just, like, the the door, the sliding door is like, like, <laughs> like, open and closed, open and closed. And you see, you see these, like, holographic images start to, like, pop out of the machine in front of it and, like, lift up onto the screen. These bright lights start going. At one point, like, the whole entire facility just starts going rainbow colors. And you're like, <laughs> he's like, no, not that one. Like, Shutdown mode initiated. <laughs> Self-destruct, enable, five, four, no. Um, and he kind of finally finally manages to get the machine to kind of calm down and stop freaking out. And he's like, don't, uh, don't touch anything you don't understand, Chewie. I don't understand a lot of things. Shouldn't touch a lot of things then, huh? <laughs> he, la- he laughs. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we'll continue uh, following Arthur and trying to restrain himself. Yeah, so Arthur kind of hits a few more buttons and that glass slides back open with a blue fog kind of coming out. And he's like, okay, why don't you go ahead and step inside and please do not break the glass. It's very valuable. He nods like, why would I break the glass? Like, what? I'm not stupid. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, he'll go inside. 
So you go inside, he hits a few more buttons, that glass container closes again, the blue fog kind of swirling around you as you get lifted up a couple inches off the platform. And he starts hitting some buttons on that other end, you see some uh, figures kind of pop up, a uh, little light moving above the screen, it's hard for you to quite understand. It doesn't look like any sort of magic you've ever seen before, it's very kind of odd and confusing to you. Um, and he presses a couple more buttons, he's just like, alright, so shooey. Age 19, although that appears to be slowing down based on these readings. 5-5 five, five, and a College of Swords bard, how fitting. You know a lot about me. I don't, the machine does, but I'm learning. Machine? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Is that a god? Sure, you can call it my god if you want. <sighs> Should we bow suddenly? <laughs> He smashes his head into the glass and it breaks. <laughs> I literally was about to say that. <laughs> um, he chuckles at that a little bit and he's just like, all right, so you would be an active defensive spark. That is a spark that needs to activate their ability to use it and focuses on helping rather than hurting. You share that with our medic, Miss Angevin, as well as the first chosen one. First, the first chosen one? Yes, didn't you hear about that in your studies with Estel? Carmentus. Uh, I'm roll history. <gasps> oh, he did really good. I'm surprised. He got a 19. Um, you remember Carmentus. That is the first chosen one and the first fallen one. It's uh, um, not great. <laughs> <laughs> My spark's the same type as the first chosen ones? It's what his started out as, yes. Shui kind of looks at his hands for a bit. He's like, huh. Start. Wait, started out as? Yes, abilities can change. Sparks can evolve. And chosen ones especially have a tendency to rapidly change their spark. She kind of like flexes his fingers. How do I know when my spark's changing? Happens usually when something pushes you. Kind of looks um, at his hand some more. I don't really. My spark's not really cool. Didn't you hear what I just said? Yeah, but what did um, Master Carmentesis evolve into? Well, he started off as the first cleric, the first person who was able to use clerical magic. And from there, he learned how to raise the dead, which is a little controversial. Sounds scary. It didn't, um... There is no category for what his spark became. There's arguments that some made that maybe it didn't evolve. Maybe that was helping. Huh. Does your machine know what my spark will evolve into? It doesn't, but it can read your potential. He kind of looks at him, like, expectantly. Almost, like, kind of, like, continue. <laughs> Your spark is currently at 15% potential, meaning it is likely fairly new and very likely to change. <laughs> okay, out of character. Damn, only 15%? What the fuck? Okay, <laughs> um... That's not an indication of how powerful it's going to be. It's just an indication of how much it might change with time. He appears to be thoughtful. You should... Be proud of what you have, though. It's your spark is what I assume Libris has as well. 
if my machines could read her, that is. But she is probably the strongest chosen one I've ever come across, so it's a very good spark to have. Really? What's, what's Master Libris' spark? He kind of sighs and rubs the back of his head, and he's just like, a great question. She won't tell me. <laughs> he, like, narrows his eyes at that. We go way back, hundreds of years. Oh, he kind of looks up at you and is just like, uh, a couple hundred, I guess. Um, hmm. Looks back down. <laughs> Shui thinks, and he's like, how, how old are you? Uh, kind of presses a few more buttons on the machine a little bit before glancing up. And he's just like, that's a bit of a rude question, don't you think? Oh, oh uh, sorry. I'm Merlin's grandson, so... Yeah. Looks back down. <laughs> Elves live a long time, though. Not all of them. Stop. Let me stop. <laughs> oh, about to go down a dark loop there. <laughs> uh, retcon. That didn't happen. Then I come out of my mouth. <laughs> or shoe's mouth. I came out of my mouth, not shoe's mouth. <laughs> uh... He, yeah, still looks around. Where are we? I told you, we are exactly where we started. What did you mean when he said, when? He looks up at you and gives you a bit of a bigger smile at that, and it's just like, you're a lot more inquisitive than the others have been. I like that. This is a facility built very far away in not in terms of space but in terms of time so it's not <gasps> um she kind of like gasp gasps as like a light bulb kind of goes off in his head and he's like are we in tomorrow <laughs> very far away tomorrow how many tomorrows thousands Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> he kind of coughs because he didn't expect that a number that big. I don't even think he knows how to count up to a thousand. <laughs> a close friend of mine helped me a long time ago to make this place. Someone with a very powerful spark. Shibi is like, wow. Uh, he's just kind of in awe right now. Does your spark let you see a lot of tomorrows? No, it's not, um, it's not, not mine. Uh, I've told you all what my spark is. I can detect other sparks. This place was built using the help of someone else's spark that I knew. That person was really strong then. Yes, they're still around somewhere. Uh, their spark's a little unpredictable. So, more of a some when. Huh. I'd love to meet them sometime. I'd love to meet them again, too, to be honest. It's been a while. So, how can I improve my spark? Uh, what, what I have now? Putting yourself in situations that require you to push it beyond what it currently is. Which is not easy to do, and also not something I highly recommend. But, if you are someone that is needed, and someone where something should happen, usually people find themselves in the right places at the right time. He kind of nods, and he's like, Do you think I'll be able to help people with my spark? Really? Gives a nod, and he's like, I know you will. Oh. 
Shui smiles brightly. He bows to him. Um, and he kind of presses a few more buttons before he's just like, quick question for you, though. You have some strange echoes of... I not, don't know another way to put this. Um, celestial energy on you? Huh? Where? He says, and he's like looking over himself. Well, you are an elven sword user, so not uncommon. Peter had something similar when I assessed him. But tell me, have you been dipping into Warlock at all? There is a lot more magic on you than I'm used to. Warlock? Like, like Brandy? Is that what Brandy is? Oh yes, he used that um interesting Eldritch Blast during his fight with Abiath. Shui thinks for a bit and he's like, no, I've, I've never, I don't know how to do anything like that. Hmm, machine must be reading something wrong then. Well, do you have any questions for me, Shui? I know you've asked quite a lot, but before I send you back... Um... Who's on the other side of the radio? He turns his head a little bit towards it. Someone I've been trying to find for a long time. Shui nods. I hope you find them, then. I hope I do, too. For a lot of people's sake. Well, come on, Chewie. Chewie... moseys along. And you... return to the surface. Oh. <laughs> and are standing now on the stage with Arthur, who is back in his normal attire, looking out and gives you a small smile and is like, remember, keep it a secret. Hey guys, guess what I saw? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she smiles and kind of runs out of the circle, uh, kind of excited. That question he asked wasn't the one I was going to ask. I was going to be like, where's Master Dashi? <laughs> but I really don't. He'd be like, oh, it's been like 2,000 years. She might not be around anymore. <laughs> oh, Dashi, she's dead right now. Right, like right now? Now, now? She's dead. No. <laughs> So I changed the question because I don't think he is mine can handle that. <laughs> um, that was interesting. Wow, 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 wow. And he goes over to Avaya. How'd it go? He's like, did you see that? I did see it. I saw everything, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> I love these two. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to touch everything, but he told me not to. Oh, I did touch everything. Oh. <laughs> Why did I you touch everything? <laughs> Arthur kind of looks up towards everyone and is just like, <clears throat> sorry, not to cut the conversation short, on a strict time limit for how long this circle's going to last. So, um, Mr. Theo Redstone? Or Redstone? Uh, yeah. That either. Yeah, it's whatever. Uh, he goes up and, uh, looks nervous. Shui's like, good luck, Theo! He gives, like, a nervous wave and smile to Shui. Uh, he looks at you, and before you guys go, he gives you a smile, and he's like, I heard from Miss Libris that you got the Fate Walker token. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I did. Then this is going to be very interesting for you. And he snaps his fingers, and the two of you vanish. Oh. And you appear in the same place that the other two appeared, which I will just describe again briefly. Colored blue and green, uh, glass and metal kind of mixed in between very interesting architecture. 
all these machines and things whirling about and uh, a box with a strange sound coming from it in the corner. Does any of this equipment look like an advanced version of anything Theo might be familiar with? Because he worked with, like, in college he worked with uh, plants and stuff. Like, he made, uh, he would make healing salves and stuff from plants they'd find. I would say all of it is pretty much way too advanced. Besides that old radio that's in the corner that looking at kind of has a similar aesthetic to some of the pocket watches that your professors had in terms of its like design but it's not it's not like anything that you've seen before it's still very different but in terms of just like its aesthetic it matches kind of that Mm. while Theo looks around blinking kind of like a whoa uh, look at all this stuff uh, and he kind of looks at the radio, looks at the other architecture and machines, and he's like, what's all this? I thought, well, I guess I don't know what I thought. He turns to you and gives you a smile, and he steps off the platform, and his clothing immediately changes. And he's like, come on, let's do your assessment. Um, oh, okay. And you step off the platform and follow him. And when you step off the platform... Your clothing also changes. <laughs> Theo, he's walking normally, and then he, like, catches a glimpse of himself and then looks down suddenly because uh, Arthur also changed. So it's like, oh, uh, um, what, what's, what's this? He looks at you, and he also looks surprised to see that, and he's just like, huh, that's, um, that hasn't happened in a while. What, what do you, what do you mean? What, what does it, what does it mean? It means you've been here before. Well, or will be here again. Uh, it gets confusing. Uh, I don't, I feel like, well, I just feel as if I would remember this. It's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet, but this place remembers. Okay. Uh, makes very little sense, but, well, it's just a like a little pocket dimension, isn't it? <laughs> well, little pocket in space, sure, but it's one way, if you want to look at it, you can put it that way. Well, I was just... I figured with some spells I've looked up... Uh, never mind. So, what's the, uh... I recall you said interview? Questions? Assessments. Interview. Sort of, um... It's going to be a lot of me talking at you and you giving me a couple answers when you feel you want to. Some of these go very fast, some go a little slower. Just depends. Uh, alright. So, come this way. And he walks you towards one of those giant glass um, tubes, presses a few buttons on the machine in front of it, and it slides open with that smoke coming out. Go ahead and step inside when you're ready. Uh, uh alright. Uh, and he steps in. He has he- he had hesitation, but he's like, well, if there's any poison in there, I'm immune to it. (laughs) So he goes in. So you step inside, and he hits a few buttons on the other end, and it's like, Theo Redston, 2755, a ranger with the hunter archetype. Uh, that's a very analytical way of putting that, sure. It's just a way that things are categorized later on. 
Uh Alright. He kind of looks at you and jokes and is just like, you haven't broken my machine, so you're doing a great job. Already need to put in a work order for one of them. Oh no, did something happen? Ah, uh, Essence overloaded hers. He, like, waves a hand. Oh. Uh, well, <laughs> there'll be no worry of that with me. <laughs> I'm sure. And you see his eyes kind of brighten as he continues, and he's like, Oh, you're a passive utility spark. A spark that's ability is passively activated at all times. It tends to be a tool of some kind. Yeah, uh, just, uh, immunity to poison and stuff. Hmm, I see. You shared that with myself, Peter, and Merlin. Oh. Uh... You, Peter, and who? Merlin. The chosen one before you. Right. Um... Well, that's pretty cool. I suppose... If there are types, then I guess I'd have it in common with someone. You should be proud of that spark. A lot of people get looked down upon for it at early levels, like you and myself. But it does have a lot of potential to be something great. Theo looks away. He's been kind of standing rigidly, but like with his hands like clasped in front of him. Oh, I forgot to note, you're floating a little bit. Old tiny float. Oh, shit. <laughs> Theo's very nervously floating. <laughs> Um, he's like, well, I, (laughs) I don't blame anyone for looking down on me for mine. At least it's really not, really the only thing it did was, uh, spare me a few dozen times. Well, let's take a look at your potential. Let's see what it's at. Oh, God. How long have you had it? Uh, uh, some few years. Just a few years? Not since birth or anything? No, not that I know. I... I only noticed it when I went to um, college and out in the field with a nasty snake. I see. Well, it's also kind of hard to determine when this one forms because of how it is. If you have something like yours where you have to have poison ingested or put into the body, you could have had it before then, just not had something that made it clear. So it's hard to say. Yes, uh... The venom of a terrible snake like that, not exactly something I was trying to do. (laughs) Yes, well, let me just see here. Let's take a look to see how far you are along. Your spark is currently at, um, and you see him kind of clicking a few buttons. You see this hologram kind of pop up in front of him, and you see zero point. Zero, 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 zero. And it just keeps going and going and going until the machine literally starts to sputter and short circuit and this loud whirling noise begins to be heard through the facility as smoke just pours out of it. And Arthur's just like coughing. He's just like... <laughs> Theo is the grimace emoji. He's like, ooh. Uh, and when the smoke clears, Arthur just looks incredibly excited up at you. Um, it's just like, I have never been more excited to have a machine break. That is incredible, Theo. What? Doesn't a zero percent mean I'm terrible? No, no, your spark is currently too far at the beginning to read. (laughs) What? It doesn't have a percentage out of a hundred. So that means I'm terrible? No, that means in terms of technical, there is not a limit. Uh... So, so, uh, 
What does that mean exactly? I don't know. That's never happened before. He just looks like he is vibrating. Uh, wow. Um, you know, I've been trying to think because I like to imagine Theo is like kind of spinning at this point, but like not fast. He's just like, you know how people in like rolly <laughs> chairs, they like slowly spin yeah. as they're talking to someone and they just kind of like talk over the shoulder and then turn your head. Basically, Theo's doing that. He's like, uh, so like, does that mean? And he turns his head that, uh, cause I was trying to think of, uh, not that I thought I would ever be, uh, the chosen one or anything, but uh, with the studying in class, how they are supposedly said to morph and such, I I was trying to think of what kind of thing mine could turn into, but really I couldn't think of anything. I don't know, to be honest. Yours is such a, no offense, um, bland one, the way that it is right now. Exactly. I don't know what it would turn into. No idea. Exactly. It's it's very it's nothing. It's very nothing. Regular. Very exciting though. Uh, well, um I'm glad you're excited. Uh should I be excited at all? Oh yes. <laughs> I'd say in terms of people I have interviewed today, you're at the top of my list right now for who I think the next one might be. Um I... Hmm... Well, that's interesting, sir. Uh... Great. No need to be nervous about it. He has this very pained, like, toothy smile. Just like, uh... <laughs> uh, well, if it's all very much the same to you, I am incredibly nervous about it. <laughs> it's... It's fine. You know, maybe... You're not the next chosen one or anything like that, but I feel like, based on these readings, at some point in your life, you have a very strong chance of being one. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm just a regular guy. I don't really, you know, is th was that the last thing? Uh, y yes, unless you had any questions for me. Ah, uh, perhaps I'll write them in a letter later. I understand. I'm sure this has been overwhelming. Uh, you can- he hits a few buttons and the uh, glass slides open. He's like, you can come out. He comes out of the tube. <laughs> yeah, you stop floating. Come back rounded again. He stumbles a little. Say, like, well. Uh, well, thank you, sir, for that. Uh, can we go now? Yes, yes, of course, I still have one left. Right. Come on. Uh, he leads you forward, steps onto the platform, changes back. Okay. Theo gives one last look to what he was wearing. What does it look like? It looks like you can decide, but it's essentially just exactly in whatever taste or style Theo would like, but, like, modernized. Fucking nice. Love that. Theo likes his outfit, and that's the only thing he likes about this place currently. <laughs> He's like, I, I'll come back here just to look in the mirror with this cool outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he he does like all the architecture and everything, but he's a little stressed. Yeah, understandably. Arthur is, like, bouncing a little bit on the platform. He's like, come on, let's go. Yeah, Theo definitely. He, he gives one last look at himself, and then he turns his head up quickly, and he's like, right, right. 
Uh, and he skips up to uh, where Arthur is and awaits return. Arthur looks just visibly to anyone who's looking at the stage, just super excited, just more excited than even after interviewing Essence, just bouncing up on the stage almost. Feel <laughs> clears his throat and he's like, well, thank you. And he scurries off. Of course, uh, before you scurry off, he's just like, any mentor that gets you is going to be so it's going to be great. Theo gives another like uh, grimace emoji smile. And you go off the stage. He run back down. She was talking to Avias probably and at some point probably went over to talk to like Draga and Titus. Yeah. Brainy's just standing there like I'm not in on this. <laughs> <laughs> Theo basically scurries back to Brandy's side. Shui sees Theo come back. And he's like, Theo, how'd you like it? Theo gives Grimace smile emoji at <laughs> Shui. <laughs> it was great. Really hard to understand, right? I didn't get any of it. Oh, I got it. <laughs> um, I got it, all right. <laughs> um, and at that, Arthur kind of looks down at everyone and looks over towards you, Brandy, and is just like, Brandy, you are the last one on my list for today. Oh, all right. Good luck, Brandy. Come on up. Uh, he looks worried to Theo. He does the same grimace emoji smile at Brandy, and he's like, you'll do great. Pats him on the shoulder. You go up um, onto the stage, and Arthur looks towards you and is like, are you ready? Have you been in a teleportation circle before? Uh, I don't think so, but yeah, I'm about as ready as I'll ever be, I guess. All right, then come on, let's finish this up for the day. And you guys vanish. Another quick walkthrough. Green and blue lighting, all these glass tubes around eight by eight feet with blue smoke kind of sitting inside. Very modern architecture mixed with glass and metal. All these machines buzzing around you with knobs and buttons and glowing screens. And this box in the corner with a voice kind of breaking through. It sounds very strange. I want you to roll a history check, Brandy. Oh. Oh, wow. Four. You have a split moment listening to that sound where it sounds strange to you, but also, like, not super strange, but you, it, the thought fades very quickly. Arthur steps off the platform and immediately changes into the other set of clothing. Uh, what? It's just changing into something a little more comfortable. No, that's not what I'm fucking uhing at, bud. Oh, the room. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, he gives you a smile, and he's just like, there are a lot of mysteries about the world. Uh-huh, sure, we'll go with that. Come on, let's finish your assessment. Yep, let's do that, I guess. So as you are walking, Arthur kind of pauses in front of one of those glass containers that's currently closed, looking into it, and stops before kind of glancing back at you, and it's just like, Peter informed me he let it slip about our little, um... Moss problem. Seems he thought you might have a trace of it. Yeah, thought I might have it. Yeah. We can talk freely 
Down here, Estelle has her library, and I have my office. We both don't snoop in each other's workspaces. Let's see. And he's currently looking inside that container. Lux. Roll a perception check. Oh, boy. I don't want to know what's in there, but I'll try anyway. Natural 20, so 22. Damn. Okay. Your eyes look inside this glass container, um, and you see kind of moving along the surface of this glass is this kind of little small black speck, only about the size of maybe a penny moving across the glass that um, Arthur is currently looking at. And you see it kind of move and stop directly in front of where you're standing. <sighs> Yuck. And he looks towards you and he's like, seems it likes you. Ugh. Not a fan of that. This is the only sample I have managed to collect and stabilize before it vanished. Yeah, right. How much did Peter talk about the moss with you? I don't remember. Not a lot. He just told me it was real bad and that the last chosen one died because of it, as far as I remember. So he didn't go into any details with all of you? Said if I'd notice any black spots popping up on my body to fucking warn him. Okay, that's. I guess that's enough. That's what you need to know. Yeah, are you gonna tell me more or is there, are we gonna leave it at that? Do you want to know more? He looks over at you. Sure. And he kind of looks back in and goes up and kind of gently taps his finger against the glass and you see that substance immediately just expand in the glass and almost entirely fill it in a second. Jumps. It grows quite quickly. Uh-huh. It's a little bit unpredictable. And he taps it again and it goes right back down to that size again in just a few seconds. Alright. Seems to have a bit of a mind of its own. We've tried doing um, spells on it before, like detect thoughts and things like that, and had mixed results. Right. The first time Estelle tried it, she was unconscious for a week. The second time, she refused to talk for a month, so we stopped. I see. It seems to work in a way where it over time, very slowly encompasses the body. When it's on an organic surface, it has a lot more structure to it. Merlin had it for a year, I think. She didn't make any public appearances to try and hide it, and then it spread to her throat, and she wasn't able to speak anymore, so she went to the Prime Capital to meet some of their clerics there, but apparently she never made it. I see. You don't sound too torn up about that. Well, it was something that I had an idea was coming. Is that right? Me and Merlin weren't um, incredibly close. I was busy a lot, not around. Not here. I see. I tried to bring her here once, and she... Thought she had more important things to do, I guess, as the chosen one, than to humor me with my little machines, she liked to call them, so. Gives a nod. 
But yes, her, um, her body was found recently, very recently, in the mirror depths, half covered in this, and over her entire face, and speak with dead didn't work, resurrection spells didn't work, and we burned the body because we didn't understand it at the time, and we still don't, so, still don't. And that is currently what we know about it. Good to know. Estelle also told me that you encountered a creature called a jabber. Oh, he tenses at that. Yeah. Marlin didn't talk a lot to me while she was sick, but when I did ask her about it, she mentioned this formed after she met something that sounds similar to what you all were describing. Yeah. Just trying to figure out if there's a correlation. Seems like there is. If you encounter it again, can you try and grab a sample from it, if you're able to? Um, I don't know about that, to be honest. We are doing every precaution, obviously, to make sure that you don't encounter it, but if you did encounter it, just... Yeah, but wouldn't it did. fucking cover me in whatever the hell this moss shit is? And then... I can give you a special container. I, mm, I don't know about that, to be honest. You're not comfortable. You, you don't have to. I'm not, I'm not pushing it on you. Like I said, it seems... And he points back to it, uh, which it's currently kind of like trying to spread. And as you see, it spreads and it almost seems to be forming like a flat humanoid shape against the glass. And he's like, it seems to like you. Yeah, no, I don't like that at all, to be honest. I think I'm going to pass on that one. You find it by all means, but no, I'm doing my best to avoid it. No, no worries. I'm sorry if I upset you. I haven't seen it. Is it really that bad? Yeah. I don't want to die of this disease if I can avoid it. Of course. Of course, yes. Sorry, curiosity got the better of me. Let's go. Let's do your assessment. Right. And he keeps walking further down. Continues to walk, but like watches that container as he walks by and continues. As you are walking around this container, it just follows you around. Yeah. Just crawling slowly over the glass. I hate this venom fucking shit. <laughs> I've become dark brandy, which is a feat. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you continue, he leads you back to an already opened glass container in the back. Um, and he points in and is just like, uh, go ahead and step in and we'll do your assessment. Fear. At that. Are you okay? No, I'm fine. Yeah, sure. You all walk in. Yeah, so as you walk in and the glass slowly closes behind you, that blue um, smoke that's kind of inside those glass containers starts to whirl around you and very gently lift you up a couple inches. Fair, 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 fair. Calm down. There's nothing in there that can hurt you. And he starts pressing a few buttons. 
<laughs> He's trying very hard not to thunderstep his ass out of there. Alright, so let's start with... He clicks a few things. Having trouble getting a name? Uh, there it is. It took a second. Uh, Brandy. Mm-hmm. Alright, it seems to be having issues with the, um... The age reading. Hmm. He kind of taps it a few times, and you can see visible glitches appearing on the screen. And he's like, well, you're not the first person who's had issues with the age indicator. It's sometimes it's just, just off. We'll just skip that then. And he hits a button, and it just goes past. Height, 6'5", and a bloodlust warlock. Never heard of that before. Oh, I don't like that that's what that's called. Interesting. I have... Nope, never heard of that one. Your patron's not showing up on the records either. And again, there's this glitching on the screen. And you can hear the sound of the radio seeming to increase for a moment near Arthur before he sighs and kind of pushes onto the next screen, not seeming to notice it. Squints at radio. <laughs> What's that loud box? Oh, that's a radio. I see. Do you- here, I'll just- I'll do what I did with Shui. Do you know what the spell sending is? Yeah, I know what the spell sending is. It's like that, except one person sending that spell out to a lot of different people. All at the same time. Anyone with that box. Yeah, do you know who's sending that message right now? Uh, someone I'm currently trying to find, so... Who are you trying to find? Very, very old... God isn't the word I would use. Programmer, maybe? The fuck is a programmer? Ah, <laughs> uh, so it's like gods, but for coding. Oh, that's not going to be any less it? confusing to you. Yeah. So think of everything like a simulation of sorts that we're watching play out. Oh, I hate this already. All right. And there are certain paths and certain things that we can do to change that simulation. There are things that can extremely change it and mess it up and break the hardware, which is something I have to be very, very careful of. And then there are smaller things, little additions, little guests that can come in and adjust. I see. I'm not explaining this well, at all, I know. Maybe there's another way that I can put it. So, think of it in the sense that there is... Well, let me click here. He clicks a couple things and he's like, Books? You like books? Poetry? Yeah. Think of it like someone who owns the ink to a book. Not the person who puts it on the page, but the person who puts it in place. I see... He's just kind of looking at you with a smile, and he's just like, it's its not something I expect you to understand. It's just... I like to try to explain things, if I can. I see. All right, well, we'll move on past that. Can't get an age, can't get a... T okay, so here we are. You are an active offensive spark, a spark that needs to activate their ability to use it and actively harms others, usually. Yeah. And you share that with Miss Palegold and Mr. Titus. He's kind of looking through everything again, and your spark is currently around 
65% developed, so you haven't had it since birth. But for a good amount of time... Have you had any trouble controlling it in recent years? The spark? Uh... I mean, not... I don't really act... It's not an active choice, usually, in my mind. It's more of a reaction to... Something reactive, okay. Trauma. To trauma? Yeah, like, uh, physical attacks usually makes it come out pretty quick. That that makes sense. Sometimes active sparks develop into passive, offensive sparks. With time, they're not exactly easy to control when they get to that level, so we try to keep an eye out for them, but you're already halfway through, so if you were having issues, it would likely have started presenting itself by now. Right. Yes, luckily, we haven't had any passive offensive sparks for this training, so that's good. Alrighty. So let's try and go a few other things here. And he starts clicking, and you see the screen kind of glitching out again, and he's frowning at that, and he's hitting it again. He's like, what the, what the hell is that? And he starts hitting more buttons, and then suddenly you hear, and the whole thing just shuts down, and you hit the floor. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, um, I think it turned off? Great. He starts hitting it. Ow. Hold, hold on, um... Mm-hmm. He starts hitting it again. And you hear the radio starting to get louder. Looks over at radio. It's just, it just seems like it's getting... Mixture of, like, static and... Getting a little more clear, like, the more that Arthur is messing with the machine. Is it clearer? Roll a perception check. Sure. Not high. Seven. It's very hard for you to make out um, what is being said. The only you get just a bare, just one sentence comes through um, that you can hear with a voice that you definitely recognize. Still trying to find me. And then it goes back to (laughs) static and the machine goes back on and you start floating in. He's like, ah, good, I needed that to open and he hits the button and then it opens and the smoke pours out and you very gently come back down. Uh, he does not seem like he noticed that at all. Interesting. Well, sorry about machine trouble. You can only do so much with technology. Do you have any questions for me, Brandy? Yeah. Uh, who are you looking for again? Some sort of, you said, programmer? Yeah, who is that you're looking for exactly? You haven't heard anything from him. And he he glances over at the at the radio, and it's just like, no, I went through hell to get that machine, so it's gonna take some time to fix it. I could have sworn I heard something just now. He very sharply looks at you at that. You heard something. I heard someone saying, "Still trying to find me." Looks back over towards it, and then kind of walks up and leans over and kind of gently taps it, and just goes, "Hello." It almost sounded, like, humored. Great. Awesome. Cool. Uh, He stands up straight. That was all I had for your assessment, Randy. Uh, gotcha. There is someone that I'm trying to find. Um, 
Do you know who your patron is? I uh, don't know their name. The person on the other end of this radio is called... A couple different things, but the main thing that he's known as is the Magic Man. Does that ring a bell at all? Roll a history check. Uh -huh, I'm so good at that. Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay, you're thinking about it for a moment, and then as you're thinking about it, this voice kind of filters through your head. It's not like it's something that is playing right now. But it it's something, it's like a memory that's almost like pulled up by that name when he says it. And you just hear the echoes of a conversation in your head where you just hear. It's nice to meet you, Brandy. I'm the magic man. And we have a lot of work to do, unfortunately. Before that kind of fades out. Oh, the magic man. Yeah, no, yeah. That, I th um, yeah, that might be, uh, that might actually be my patron. He kind of very sharply, just whole body turns towards you. He's like, Fear. when did you see him last? Where did you see him? What did he say to you? Oh, whoa, 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 hold on. I haven't, I've met him once. I have looked, I have been looking for him for thousands of years. You have to tell me where you saw him. I have no idea. It happened very quickly. I was also in a real bad headspace when it happened. I don't remember a whole lot about it. <laughs> I barely even remembered that that was his name until you told me it. He seems frustrated by that. Like he wants to keep kind of interrogating you, but stops and just like, okay, okay. Would you mind um, maybe coming back here sometimes to try this again? <laughs> Sure. You said thousands of years? How old are you? Did... did I say thou... Little sleep up there. He <laughs> kind of adjusts um, his ponytail a little bit. Uh, and he's just like, um, Well, that also gets very confusing. Yeah? I've messed in things a little bit more than I probably should have, and I can't really say everything, or I risk a paradox, so I can't explain it. Great. And why are you looking for the magic man? Because he leads to something else that I'm looking for, and he is the only tie to that. What does he lead to? Something that I really can't tell you about, or he might disappear. I might what? Disappear. Disappear. Poof, gone. Out of existence. Never been born, never been anywhere. Gone. Is that right? And you didn't disappear because... I've messed with things a little bit too much. Kind of outside of everything at this point. Alright. So... That pro is the magic man that programmer then, or...? Yes. I see. Uh, interesting. He is the key to get to something else. I was talking about the ink. The thing that I'm talking about is... Looks like he's trying to think of how to phrase it. The binding of a book, I guess is the best way to put it. There is the ink 
there is the writer, there are the pages, there are the readers, and then everything that holds it together. Yeah, why do you want to find all this? I have a lot of time. A lot of time. You know, you could pick up like a normal uh, hobby, like crocheting, or... I've done that. Alright. Wasn't good at it. Well, you can spend more time to get better at it. Well, some things there's no amount of time to fix. If you only practice what you're good at, then you're gonna, you know, not, uh, experience a whole lot. I'm just trying to, um, get a better understanding of a lot of different things. I want to know what this is for. Know what what's for. We're getting a little existential. A little more in-depth than I was expecting for this conversation. You'd be surprised at how existential I can get, considering what I've been through. (laughs) I'm just, after all this, after everything that has happened, I just want to know if there is a purpose behind it. That's all I want to know. And it takes a lot to get there. And what... What do you hope to find, exactly? Like, say you do find this, then what? We'll see when I get there. This is the last question that I've had for a while. I want to roll a fucking insight check on him. What does he, like, look like when I ask him, like, what he's gonna do when he finds this person or whatever? Um, determined, I would say. Bad roll. He, he looks on a basic level determined, but what did you get? Nah, it's a six. Okay, you can't read him any more than that. Looks confused, but kind of like nods. It's like, well, uh, if you learn anything, it's if you stick your nose too far into other folks' business, they tend not to, uh, not to really appreciate it. So I'd be careful. I'm trying to be. I've always been incredibly careful, especially with this delicate matter. Right. Well, um, we went way longer than the others, didn't we? We should probably be heading back. Yeah, I guess so. It's good to talk to you, Brandy, right? Uh, Yeah, Brandy. Good to talk to you. Let's go back. And he starts heading towards the platform. Gives a hesitant nod as he follows. And as you pass by that glass container from the beginning, again, just following you the whole time you walk around it. And you get up onto the platform and you go back. And Arthur kind of adjusts his glasses a little bit and looks over towards everyone. It's just like, well, I hope you all had an eye-opening experience with me today. You can do what you want. You can talk about this as freely as you want. All the mentors have been there. I would just say that people outside of the facility can get a little touchy when you talk about things like this, so just be careful. I do hope it was an informative experience, though, and I wish you all luck on your finals tomorrow. Brandy face covered in dread, almost. (laughs) (laughs) It mirrors Theo's expression. (laughs) For different reasons, but... (laughs) Theo just the rest of the night unless someone talks to him he just is like a thousand yards staring <laughs> fair I would say 
Brandy gets up occasionally during the middle of the night and, like, paces around, very confused. TVH, Theo probably doesn't sleep very well, so he might notice. Shuey is knocked out. (laughs) (sighs) Can't sleep, huh? Me either. Yeah, that, uh... That, that office, he does in quotation marks, of Arthur's was, uh... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did your clothes change? No, did yours? They did. Okay. Yeah. It's a... He said it was because I've been there before, or soon. I don't really know what that means, but, um... Yeah, that's... Alright. Yeah. I mean, I liked the clothes, at least. (laughs) They were nice. That's good. Yeah. How did your assessment go? I just had an interesting conversation about, uh... My patron and my, uh... How... Arthur couldn't seem to get any info on me other than uh, my height, I think, and the type of warlock I was. And talked a lot about how he's looking for someone and that that someone happened to be my patron and then started grilling me real fast about it and told him I didn't really know nothing. Because apparently... Apparently he's like some... Some... He said programmer. I don't know what the fuck that is. He, he just described it as, like, the ink on a page, I guess. Uh, he said he's looking for it because he wants to find what's holding this book, quote-unquote, together. And it was a lot of... Uh, a lot of confusing shit. Sounds high concept. Yeah, a little bit. It was a little, uh, he, he said he really wants to cut me to come back and to pick my brain apart about that. Oh, are you going to? Um, you know, it was a good fucking question. I have no idea yet. I, uh, you know, it was exciting. Uh, everything, it was, it was kind of cool going in at first. I mean, nerve-wracking. But the things looked pretty cool, and but I, after my assessment, I, I couldn't get out fast enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, you'll see he had some of that, uh, black moss there, that disease we were warned about. Oh. Right. Apparently it was, <laughs> he, like, really grimaces, like... Apparently it was real interested in me, which is, uh, something, because apparently it's got a mind of its own, and when Estel tried reading it, first time she tried reading it, she was knocked out for a week, and the second time she tried reading it, she wouldn't talk for a month. So that's cool. Do you think, because, well, I was trying to do research earlier in the week... Do you think that... No, no, never mind. No, go for it. No, I... I was trying to figure out... uh, Stuff about the Jabber and 
No, he had a similar thought process. Oh? He thought he wanted me to get sample of what was covering the jabber. I told him, frankly, no, because I don't want uh, it on me. Yeah, I... Well, I'm glad you said no. Yeah. Because I... I would be very worried for you if you tried. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to mention... Well, the whole reason that you're taking those... Those... Those drinks, and then, uh, and then, uh... Yeah, mm. exactly. It's to try and avoid that. So that's... Yeah. Yeah, you just uh, seem susceptible, and I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to you. He gives a small smile on that. He's like, thanks, darling, I'm, uh... Yeah, I'm worried about, uh... Definitely worried about that and spreading that to other folks as well. Darling? I don't want to put any of you all, uh, put you all in danger. Especially not after, like, spending, like, months with y'all. I don't want to, I don't want to cause any more trouble than I'm worth. Theo just went very quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Call me darling. (laughs) Literally, I don't know if I cut out, but Theo said darling? (laughs) Oh, he, I, you did cut out. He did not hear that. <laughs> I like to imagine that he's just in his own thoughts. He didn't even notice and just kept going. He's absolutely like totally like in his own thoughts right now. And like very still processing the day. He probably did not catch that. Well, Theo caught it. He definitely caught it. <laughs> Theo caught that and he definitely caught it and is catching it and has caught it. Yeah, he, uh, he just kind of blankly staring, I guess. And then he's like, did you hear a single fucking word? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having an existential crisis for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, well, Theo is, his face is very red. <laughs> he can't see it in the dark. Damn. Because he only sees it black and white. Why don't you want Brandon to notice it? Because it's funny. <laughs> Ripley? <laughs> Um, uh, I'm not sure about all, all that shit going on. And yeah, this whole day's been confusing as hell. I think I'm gonna try, try and sleep on it a little more. I suggest you uh, do the same. Probably a lot more trouble than it's worth trying to parse any meat and bind the stuff right now, at least. Well, I'll certainly try. Uh. <laughs> Good night, um, <laughs> darling. <laughs> His ears perk, and he's like, "Oh, right, yeah, uh, night." He turns over very quickly and uh, <laughs> hides in his blankets. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys either manage to fall asleep a little bit or just wait essentially in the morning for Wynn's knock on the door, which eventually comes. Um, he seems very excited for you to do your final day of training and just immediately rushes all of you to the to the library. He's like, after Estel's, it's mine, so go fast. And he's like pushing you all. <laughs> right, 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 right. And you all sit in the area where Estel originally taught you about Fallen Ones. All of the sparks are here for the final 
and she is kind of looking at you all with her hands behind her back as she's pacing in front of the chalkboard, not saying anything to make sure that everyone is here. Dranka kind of drags her feet in as she finally comes in, looking very tired and yawning. Doesn't seem like she got a lot of sleep the night before, and you see Riddle kind of look at her and, like, talk to her for a moment. She nods and is just like, oh yeah, she's praying all night. And <laughs> she's like, I made it for the finals. <laughs> Uh, he gives her like a pat on the head and Nestle, after she's settled down, is just like, okay, and snaps her head towards all of you. And Tyus appears startled and almost like falls out of his chair, causing like a very uncomfortable clamoring for a moment before there's just more silence. And Estelle steps forward, grabs a pile of blank pages from the desk in front of her and passes them out along with several pencils. Uh, mm. And she looks at you all and says, before you're final with me, I want you to write a short essay about what it means to you to be a chosen one, and how you plan to better the world after hearing about the atrocities committed before you. You will then present it. Oh god. Well, this seems more in my wheelhouse. Being a chosen one will require you to be a public figure. Speaking in front of others and moving them with your words is a difficult task to accomplish. It's also important to me that I know what you think about everything without having two weeks to prepare what you think I want you to say. Any questions before we begin? I don't know how to write. <laughs> Literally, she's like, what if I don't know how to write? <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> she looks at you and it's just like, then you'll have to memorize it. <laughs> cool. You have 15 minutes. Time starts now. 15? All right. <laughs> we are taking a 15 minute break. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Hey there! As always, thank you to our patrons, Mr. Bakudan and Vessel, for supporting the series. Before we go, I'd like to advertise Misfit Roles. The only difference between a party of heroes and a group of villains is perspective. Join Misfit Role as they regale you with tales of adventure from the unlikeliest of heroes. A band of villains forced to work together to save the world from the corrupting darkness. You be the judge as to which title best suits them on the Isle of Misfit Roles, a D&D 5e actual play podcast. Set in a homebrew world with a character-driven story with over 40-hour-long episodes. You can find them at Misfit Rolls on Twitter and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, fellow Sparks. We'll see you soon. <laughs>